Taste buds, if you are anything like me, one of your favorite things to do while vacationing, and it is summer vacation season, is to enjoy delicious food and drinks. Well, at Universal Orlando Resort in Orlando, Florida, you will find a vacation experience where even your taste buds get to go on an adventure. While it would probably take a whole week to, to, to try all the food they offer, a little quick listing for you of some fan favorite stops. You start your day with a breakfast pizza at their newest Universal Hotel Endless Summer Resort. Surfside Inn and Suites, the experience a mix of American, Mediterranean, and Asian fair cuisine at the award-winning Mythos Restaurant. Cool off with a Watori fusion ice cream cone at Universal's Volcano Bay. Get a taste of Italy for dinner with freshly prepared pasta at Vivo Italian Kitchen and satisfy your sweet tooth at the toothsome Chocolate Emporium and Savory Feast Kitchen. Download the Universal Orlando Resort's foodie bucket list on their blog and visit www.universalorlando.com to start planning your vacation today. Taste Buds, you may forget what happened three seasons ago on that show everyone's still talking about, but you will never forget a delicious BLT made with unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise. Slather it onto a mouth-watering turkey club. Mix it into a luscious garlic aioli or layer it on a thick cheddar cheeseburger. And because of the unforgettable creaminess, hours later you will be telling everyone within earshot just how good it was. Try something new. Try unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise and the new Heinz mashups. Mayo chop. That's ketchup and mayo. Mayo Q. Oh, that's barbecue and mayo. I like that. Mayo Q. Mayo must. I bet that's mustard. Mayo mustard and crunch. <laughs> well done, Heinz. Crunch. I'm all about it. Try some today. Another beautiful summer edition of House of Cards, the food podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your hungry host, Joe House. My culinary comrades, very pleased to have back on the show, as promised in very short order, Mark Rosati the culinary director of Shake Shack. We had a wonderful conversation in early July. He shared with us some personal grilling tips. We heard some OG original stories about how he came uh, to be connected with Shake Shack. He told us the beautiful story of how Shake Shack came to be and, and their place in the world. We promised to reconnect for part two. And here we are. We go deep my taste buds, into the Shake Shack Innovation Kitchen. My mind was blown. I hope yours will be as well. Let's get right in that belly with Mark Rosati of Shake Shack. All right, taste buds, we are very pleased. As promised, we have on the line perhaps America's hungriest homie we were very fortunate at the beginning of july to have him on and uh we talked through a little bit of background but really as far as i'm concerned we kind of had a little bit of a an amuse bouche and then maybe a little appetizer it's time to tackle the meat of the matter with the culinary director from shake shack this is the man mark rosati welcome back god thanks for having me back it's a pleasure to be here again 
So we we really covered a lot of important kind of origin story background, both your origin uh-huh. story and your affiliation with Shake Shack and some of the, you know, how Shake Shack came to be stories. And, and along the way there, there were certain revelations about certain aspects of this that I just knew we, we needed a, a real deep dive. We have to give all of our culinary comrades out there some perspective on exactly what it is that Shake Shack is up to and what you personally are up to. And and you mentioned the Innovation Kitchen, and I want to go deep. I'm just telling you right now, you, you guys let's opened this it. up let, uh, in, yeah. Yeah. in September of 2018. So, so let's just uh-huh. start from scratch. What is the Innovation Kitchen and how did it come to be and why? The Innovation Kitchen is something that that's been on the drawing board for, I would say, oh my God, like seven, eight years or so. Um, as I said the last time we spoke, Shake Shack is a, it's kind of a, a great accent that happened. We never intended for this company to grow the way it has and uh, has been to so many different parts of the world and back. And when we opened Shake Shack, the idea, create a community gathering place, bring people together over great food. And that was, that was the main goal. Fast forward to uh, 2019, we have uh, 254 locations worldwide, um, and we're going to open a few more. And the funny thing was, we've always thought of this as just this one little shack in a park with no aspirations to grow. And even when we get up to like 30 locations, the idea of being a real company and like having an infrastructure like uh, an innovation kitchen, we were like, that's that's for bigger companies. Like, you know, maybe we get more locations and then that feels like the right fit for us, but we're small, you know, we're not that big. We don't need this sort of stuff. Meanwhile, I know people that have uh, maybe say 10 locations uh, and they have an innovation kitchen. So we, we just always think we're a small company. We do try to act as small as possible or so something like a, a fancy quote unquote innovation kitchen. Nah, that was something that we had maybe thought was a future plan, but as we get bigger and bigger, we realize we do need this kitchen. We do need a place to call home where we could develop new uh, menu items uh, for all around the world. And also at the same time, maybe work on projects that maybe don't quite fit into the shack kitchens as we know today. But why should that stop us from creating a new menu item for the future? So that was the whole idea behind this, was just to finally have that place to call home, to order ingredients, to prep, to put stuff together and get our uh, company excited about where the future of the food might go. And wh- where were you doing this before the Innovation Kitchen came to be um, just last year? Where were you doing this otherwise? Oh, this was, this was we were pretty much all over New York City at all of our Shake Shacks. So we started yeah. out at our Upper West Side location. Um, from there, we moved to our Upper East Side location. From there, down to Brooklyn. We went out to Brooklyn. We wanted to see what that borough was all about. So we did some creation that was over there. And then we came back into Manhattan. We were in our Midtown location. Pretty much any shack that had a basement where we could maybe put a toaster oven and an induction <laughs> burner, that, that became our home. You know, if they had a bigger walk-in where we could get some of our special ingredients in there, even better. But that's what we were doing. And we, we actually were able to create a lot of items that are, that are big menu items today, like our Chicken Shack, uh, which is one of the biggest menu items we've ever added to the menu. That was born out of us working the back of our other established Shake Shacks, playing around with different ideas on fried chicken, which ultimately turned to the, uh, the Chicken Shack. So we were able to make it happen. Also, one of my favorites, our chili that we put on the menu, I believe, about a year ago uh, during the wintertime. All of that R&D happened using that little toaster oven. Like, I would buy dry chilies, I'd tear them apart, toast them in the oven, pull them out, put in spices, toast them, pull them out. It took forever. The recipe probably should have taken maybe an hour. It was a little labor-intensive, but this took, like, three hours because we were using a little toaster. But (laughs) we were able to develop develop a menu item. How are you... um introducing these to, to the, to the public, you know, as you tried to innovate things and, and, you know, try it out on your loyal, uh, shack customers, when you're introducing, you know, something like the chicken shack before you had the, this, this great venue down in the West village, that's open basically every day of the week from 11 in the morning to 11 at night, how would you try yep. and, 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 you know, uh, launch the, these things in, in kind of a limited way and get some of that 
belly sourcing is what we like to call it here, where you get that feedback <laughs> from, from, like from that. the hungry from the hungry public. <laughs> you know, we we actually did not have a system uh, back then. How the whole process worked in our earlier days was we would create food that excited us. We would have uh, some of the people in our company taste it. Um, we'd have like the marketing team taste it, the operations team, training teams, and say, "Here's what we're thinking. What do you think about this here? I mean." Do you like it? Do you think it's going to fit within the shack? Uh, what, what's it going to be like to message this? We try to get everyone involved in the process. And if we all turned the key and loved it and said, let's do it, we just launched it. And it was a system that worked for a long time. But again, in the trajectory of our growth, we knew we needed a better way of doing this. And what's great about this location, our innovation kitchen, the West Village, is in those early days when we realized we needed this kitchen, we were looking at uh, remote locations outside of uh, Manhattan where our corporate office is saying, let's just get a big space. We'll build out a kitchen. It'll be mellow. It'll be like a uh, ship onto itself. Let's do that. The more we thought about it, we realized how important it is for the kitchen and what's being created to be in lock and step with the rest of our team. If they had to get on trains and go like 30 minutes to and from every day to see what we're working on, a lot of times it gets lost. And I think the most important thing is when we have that spark of inspiration, if we can get someone down a flight of stairs and get something hot in their mouth and they have that same reaction, you can only capture that once. It gets like those different teams excited and they think about how they're going to train it and how they're going to talk about it and how we're going to fit it within the shack. So having that within our office and the best case scenario and a shack too was the dream. And it took us a while to find that. But now we have our innovation kitchen tethered to an actual shack. And then our offices are upstairs. So what's great about this here is we never had that moment in our testing to actually take an idea and give it to our guests and say, this is something we're working on. What do you think? But that's the idea of the shack that we have here too, is when we create these items and actually serve them to our guests, we have ways of capturing feedback, either through tablets or uh, note cards. You can write your idea, just good old fashioned going up to someone saying, hey, I saw you got that new burger. What are your thoughts on that? So now we can actually have that, that level of check where we know we like it, but now we can ask our fans and bring them into the creative process too and, and get their kind of gut check on what we're creating and feel like, see if it's the right direction we should be going. Yeah, you, you cannot underestimate the value of the belly sourcing. I know that you guys um, tried for a minute there back in 2013 to walk away from the crinkle fries. And and the culinary comrades out there were having none of it. I mean, the the, the hungry people uh, wanted wanted the crinkle fries, right? <laughs> they were up in arms, and and that's a good example of us being in a vacuum within the company, thinking about what the guests may want, and working long and hard. Like that whole the whole when we went to a freshly cooked and cut French fry within our shacks, that was a good year of hard like R and D, figuring out how we can make it happen. We also had to spend a lot of money to uh, add more equipment to our line to cook the fries in, um, more training. We had to go out to different farms and like really walk into the fields, like pull potatoes out of the ground, smell them, talk about them, understand the entire process. So it took a lot of time, a lot of investment. And when it was all said and done, the very first day we launched it, again, we only tasted it internally. We loved it. When we finally launched it, I'll never forget, we, we launched it at the Upper East Side location in uh, New York City. The first guest walks in, orders a shack burger and fries, comes up, we hand the tray with big smiles on our face. He looks at us and goes, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> like, oh, oh, these are our new, our new, our new fresh, uh, fresh cut and cooked fries. What do you think? He goes, "I hate it. I want my money back." He goes, "Where the hell are the crinkle cut?" And uh, we're like, "But this is better. This is this is fresh." He goes, "He just ruined my day," and he walked out. And I was, I was like, "Only in New York." I love problem? it. Yeah the first guest and like we were just like we had special t-shirts made about the fries we had like banners hanging we wanted to make this a big moment because we were excited we were sure our guests would be excited but we never brought them into the process they never knew what we were doing until we did it to them and not for them and that's what we realized and the feedback we kept getting was listen we get it we get it it's the one thing on your menu that you guys aren't making fresh they come in frozen you cook them and we thought frozen was a bad word with fries but the more research we did, we realized freezing French fries, even in a perfect scenario in the kitchen, actually is very beneficial to the final product. 
when you freeze a potato, you're locking in all that moisture and you're pretty much turning it to ice crystals that once they hit the hot oil to cook, expand and explode and almost create like a mashed potato-like interior to the fry. Mm, mm-hmm. so given, given the choice between completely fresh or maybe freezing this one during one stage of the process, that freezing does help a lot. And we also realize that crinkles are just us. Our fans recognize the crinkles as a big part of our brand. And when they think about it, it gets them excited. And there is a nostalgic value. And there was so many good things about the fries, but we just thought we could do better. But our guests were never really saying that we needed this. So again, that, that's something that we did learn a lot of lessons from. And today that would not happen with us because again, anything we get excited about we now test it to our guests, and sometimes we run items as long as a month to not only figure out, like, is the flavor right? Like, you know, do we need to adjust the seasoning? Do we need to take an element off the burger or add an element to it? But also, we can ask our team, the ones that are actually cooking it, saying, yes, this works well. Like, the toppings can easily go on. We like how you built this. There's no problem. They can say, you know what? I think it's a little harder to build. It's more complex. You know, maybe we should think about uh, revisiting it. So if we launch something, uh, we really have those moments now where we feel that much better about it and that much more confident in it because it's really gone through a lot of checks. And now there are also external checks with our guests that are yeah. uh, something that's a lot of bellies. to us. That we call that Absolutely. checks belly and belly things. balances. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, f- for folks who uh, come to New York uh, and may not necessarily, they 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 might think, oh, I want to, I'm going to make sure I get to Shake Shack as part of my New York experience. Uh, I know that I feel that way. There's absolutely no reason. I live in Washington. There are plenty of delicious Shake Shacks here in the D.C. area in the DMV. For sure. Um, but yep. I, whatever the explanation is, whatever psychological infirmity I suffer from. I still want Shake Shack when I'm when I'm in New York, and I I've not been down to the West Village one, but now I want to get down there. How often during the course of a week, um, as Innovation Kitchen you know has various things sort of in process and it, and it's trying? How often do sort of new concepts make their way from the kitchen into the West Village Shack? I would say your chances uh, are pretty good. Uh, we, we've been very aggressive recently, and we've uh, been doing different lemonades, different milkshakes, uh, and mm. different sandwiches pretty pretty regularly. I think if you came uh, on any given day within any given week of a month, you're, you're probably going to see something that we're testing right now. Um, sometimes it's a little more aggressive what we're testing. There might be, again, like three items all at once, but there'll at least be something. Um, you know, we just have so many ideas. The culinary team, um, I believe is just with this new home, uh, and all the people on the team, I think we're hitting just high highs and there's so many ideas we're throwing out that we want to test. Like we think they're all value and they're worthy of going upstairs and being presented to our guests. Um, a couple of my favorite ones that we've done, uh, we did our take on a chicken parm. Mm, um, and it's something God. like it, the, the challenge, it was, it was a fun sandwich. We ran that for a month and it actually got so many, um, uh, people writing in about it that we now, every now and then, if we do a special event, like, uh, for like a charity dinner or something like that, we, we might bring out the chicken parm for that. Uh, yeah. cause it's a big crown favorite, but yeah. we were thinking, what's, chicken what, parm, you taste so our, good. It, it's so good. And like the challenge for us is like, you know, what's our voice? Like there's a hundred ways you could do a chicken parm Hell, There's probably a million ways, but what is she yeah. shack's vision? So we took our, our crispy chicken sandwich and we made a uh, a tomato sauce that had pancetta in it, and we were using uh, Bianco mm. Dinopoli tomatoes from uh, California. So we yep. want to keep it uh, the, the tomatoes local, and they're organic too. Um, and we then made a Parmesan cheese sauce. And uh, if you've been to a Shake Shack, you know we have our cheese fries. Yes, almost exactly the same, except it's oh. white and it has a lot of Parmesan in it. And like I okay. felt that was like a really good connection. And it's it's taken a few changes uh, every time we run it, but. Something like that, you can find them. We've also done a dry aged burger, which we've never served before. But we want to we want to think about it thoughtfully and say, if the dry aged meat was the star of the show, what cheese would we add? Like, what's the sauce? Um, mm. We kind of thought of steakhouses and the richness of like a dry aged meat. So we made a uh, pickled shallot brown butter mayonnaise. The butter definitely added more richness to the mayonnaise, but the shallots and like vinegar kept it from being too rich. And then we actually work with a local uh, cheese maker in the New England area, um, and we use their cheese on it too, which is a cross almost between like a cheddar and a Gruyere, uh, mm. super creamy. 
and we served it on a different bun, which is something yeah. you don't see very often from us. But again, we were just trying to play around. And, and while that sandwich itself may never go past this location, there were learnings, there were lessons in there. And there were certain things that we said, yeah, maybe, maybe that sauce has a second life or maybe not quite another bun, but maybe we can add a seasoning to the bun. Like, like all these different ideas are born out of that. So we're, we're just playing here. And we love for uh, fans to come down here and check it out and kind of play along with us. Yeah. So uh, in terms of the logistics, is, are there lines out the door at the West Village location? Can, can people get in there? They can. They can. Um, it, it just depends on the uh, time of day. Uh, yeah. Lunches here are always very busy. Um, but I think always weekends are kind of nice here, especially in the summertime in New York City. A lot of people leave the city. Right. So if you're here. Uh, not only us, but all of your favorite restaurants are a little easier to get into. So uh, that's a good point. I say, yeah. So I'm interested in um, sort of the process of how you think about um, when you when you've sort of seized on something, um, you know, a, a new concept that you want to go ahead and, and and put put out there. In the past, I know you have picked a handful of markets to go, you know. Uh, push an item to because like for instance i know that i've had a hot chicken version the chicken uh shack sandwich with with a hot yeah. chicken like that sort of nashville concept down here in washington dc how, how do you sort of balance you know the innovation you're doing in the innovation kitchen and then you walk it upstairs and folks guests there can go ahead and uh, try it there but when you go on sort of a limited run, how, how do you pick the markets and like what level of uh, success do you expect that item to have before you sort of launch it um, nationwide? What we like to do is we do we do try to pick a couple different markets to, to kind of test it in. So we would start off here in the uh, West Village location. Um, again, if we really love it, run it for a month, learn as much as we can, listen to our team, take it that all into account. Maybe there's tweaks that have to happen. And then at that point, if we feel like this thing, like this thing is like really delicious. We want to, we want to bring this national. We would then take it to a few other markets and it could be something like where it could be a region. Uh, like maybe it is like say um, New York city, Philly, DC. And like, we just kind of keep an eye and we listen to all of our uh, team members in those areas and give us more feedback so we can maybe polish it a bit more before we, we launch it. Or sometimes we, we do take a national, like there's, there's been times uh, where we might have, uh, say, a location in Los Angeles try it while a location in Denver, Colorado tries it. Maybe, you know, we go to like St. Louis, Missouri, and we try to get a couple different areas uh, with different food scenes. Again, just get different takes on it and opinions before we go. Um, so it really depends on what we're trying to test and what we're trying to learn at that point. Um, and then based off of that, we then say, do we want to take this officially national? Um, in the early days of Shake Shack, you know, we were, we were, uh, oh, but the first location was on 23rd street, uh, here in New York city. And a few blocks South is, uh, one of the best green markets in the city, the union square green market. In those early days, when we did specials, we would literally walk to the market, pick up some stuff, try it out. And then whatever we had left from our experiments, we would run it as a special fast forward to, uh, how big we've gotten. And now we can't do that anymore. We need to at least be three to four months out at least when we do anything national, just in terms of making sure we can get all the ingredients to all the locations, uh, make sure the teams are trained. We can get, uh, if we're going to do like any signage, stuff like that. So when we do it now, it does take a lot more time. So we just want to make sure we really do it thoughtfully and make sure again, like from the initial idea here to those other locations we test in that we just make sure we 100% love it. It's ready to go. Because again, if we're going to do it, there's so much effort that goes in there that we want to make sure it's one of those items that everyone loves. And so, like so, Beyond loves, Head Over Eagles loves. Yeah. So that's the segue into what I, I want to ask about. Are, are they, where are the chicken bites? Are they, I don't, are they everywhere yet? I mean, I'm, I'm dying they, for the chicken bites. Are, I've been lucky enough to try they're, them. They're, <laughs> they, they are pretty national at this point. Um, there are a couple locations that don't. Uh, have them right now, but if yeah. you're in DC, you'll you'll definitely find them. And that again is uh, that that is on the level of a national uh, special item we're doing, and it, it's something we we played around with. Uh, we we wrote a cookbook a few years back, all about the history of Shake Shack, and we featured recipes and also just ideas. If you're going to go through the effort to say make our chicken shack, you have the chicken there. Why not try to make a chicken bite? 
So yes. we actually, before we launched it, years before we launched it, we kind of teased and hinted at that in our book. And um, I'm, I'm the type of person, like when I go uh, and eat burgers, if, if there's like uh, the option of French fries or like chicken bites or chicken nuggets or something like that, sometimes I might forego the fries and get the chicken. Oh, I mean, there's nothing maybe, wrong maybe, uh, with all the above. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, 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 I like to do both. Like sometimes I'm feeling like ketchup and fries. Sometimes like yes. oh, maybe I need a little more protein in my diet, so maybe yes. I'll get the bites. Um, so it's one of those things that uh, we spent a lot of time playing around with the idea, and we got to a point where we actually, when we opened this location here in the West Village, which is uh, coming up on a year, that was actually the first item we launched and tested out of this location. So it hit it hit here first. And right away, New Yorkers were like, we need to try these. Like, everyone loves a good uh, bite. Yes. The, the feedback was really immediate. And from there, we did test in a few other markets, and then we went national. So it's something we're uh, having fun doing, and it's uh, we'll see how long we keep it out there. But right now, um, you should be able to get that in D.C., and I would love to know what you think about it. I'm 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 on my way. That's it's lunchtime here when we're <laughs> recording this. <laughs> I'm going to make a stop. Taste buds, quick break from this incredible innovation kitchen. We're hearing about with Mark Rosati. I want to tell you about some friends of ours here at House of Carbs, Ben and Jerry's. They are friends of ours, not personal friends yet. I'm working on it. It's summertime which means it's prime ice cream season and in addition to the beautiful offerings you might get at Shake Shack Ben and Jerry's has some ice cream for you I have to tell you I have been dabbling I've been experimenting because Ben and Jerry's have been doing the same kind of thing they're putting out non-dairy versions of some of their most popular flavors, as well as low-calorie, lower-calorie versions. I've been experimenting in both. The vegan Cherry Garcia is effing unbelievable. And the reason it's effing unbelievable is because ben, the, the Ben & Jerry Cherry Garcia was my very first Ben & Jerry's ice cream, my introduction, but my entryway drug, if you will, to the entire Ben & Jerry uh, uh, empire and Cherry Garcia remains an all-time dead-on number one favorite. The vegan version of this is incredible because I can't tell the difference. Now, I'm not a person that holds themselves out as having an impeccable palate. I am like you, my hungry homies. I want to eat what's good, what tastes good. I want to eat a lot of it. But the Ben & Jerry's Vegan Cherry Garcia. I can't recommend it enough. If you're having, if you want to avoid dairy for any reason whatsoever, get yourself into this. Or maybe you just, you know, want to try something different and see if, if you can detect the difference. Get yourself to benjerry.com. Treat yourself to this favorite flavor. Anywhere ice cream is sold, or you can find yourself a new favorite. It's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. Taco night. Let's talk about it. We've been seeing the LeBron Instagram, the LeBron James. The whole family's in on Taco Tuesday. I can't do it, but they do it. Taco night is a magical night. It's the night where everyone can eat happy. The night where conversations are engaging, the mood is light no matter how you fill it. Everyone has their perfect taco. But what if your shell falls over? Your tortilla dumps all that greatness onto your plate. Complete devastation. Kids crying. Meal ruined. Game over. Why risk the chaos? Grab Old El Paso. The Old El Paso taco shells hold their own. They have a stand and stuff shell that will not fall over. Their tortilla bowls are soft but won't spill your perfected taco. They even created mini tortilla bowls for kids' hands or appetizers. With Old El Paso, you can spend more time enjoying the food and your company and less time scooping the meat and cheese back into the shell and to top it off. Their seasoning 
is the number one favorite in America. I hope they don't mind, old El Paso. I wanna talk about a hack. I have a hack already for these unbelievable tortilla bowls. You know what you can do if you are of a mind, and this is what I did with these beautiful tortilla bowls. One of the things that can be a challenge with tacos is when you're on your second or third or fifth or sixth, the meat and all of the ingredients may have may not be up to the same kind of temperature and, and delivering uh, the same kind of uh, lustrous combination as when all all is is set out at the on the table at the beginning. I was creating for myself in the tortilla bowls. I was taking the meat and the cheese and the and saving the cold ingredients. I was putting them in the microwave for 15 seconds. This is a hack. I hope Old El Paso doesn't mind. And creating mini quesadilla versions of the taco using the tortilla bowl and then taking the cold ingredients, my salsa, my shredded lettuce, my uh, uh, beautiful diced tomato, a smidge of, of cilantro onion, and I take that beautiful quesadilla, you fold it. These are very pliable, the tortilla bowls. I'm telling you, it's a three-bite meal if you have a big mouth like mine. It's absolutely delicious. Old El Paso, grab the yellow box. You want more taco ideas? Listen to this podcast or go to oldelpaso.com for recipes, products, and so much more. Uh, what's in the pipeline right now? that you think sort of has some promise in terms of a potential national level concept? What's, what have you, what's, what have you tried out at the innovation kitchen? That's really been getting some traction. Well, I would say that there's been a, a few items that we tried that, uh, you know, people got so excited about, um, you know, besides all those items I, I uh, mentioned to you, we also did a, a take on like on an Alabama white barbecue sauce on a oh. fried chicken sandwich. Oh. And um it was it was very simple. It was it was as simple as could be. It was this really delicious, like tangy, creamy white Alabama uh barbecue sauce. It had some heat to it, it had some spice, and then uh some pickles. So you can't get more simple than that. But I feel like sometimes simple is the way to go. If you can say a lot with a few ingredients, why wouldn't you? Sometimes the uh the need to add a lot of different stuff to a burger. Like we fight that all the time too. Uh, but then every time we have to kind of sit there and say, does it really need that item? Does it really need it? If we pull it out, it's so awesome. We do it. So it's very simple. Um, our fans loved it. Our team loved it. Another, another good uh, pulse check for us is if the teams in the shack that are cooking the food all the time, if they get excited about it and they want to eat it, we know, we know we got something because, they're around the food all the time. They eat the food often. If this is something different that they're like, Ooh, I, I could see this becoming part of my uh, rotation. Uh, we know we have something there. So it definitely uh, ticked all the boxes. So that's one we feel really good about whether we take that national or not, that still remains uh, to be seen, but it's something that like, it definitely resonated with us that we said, Oh, this one, this one seems to be picking up a lot of traction. here. Let's, uh, let's put this in our back pocket potentially. And then there's been milkshakes too, that we've done. That had been a lot of fun. We did a creme brulee shake uh, earlier this year that was really well received. And and again, like shakes can be somewhat simplistic at the heart of them, but that's a, a, a kind of a, a fun item to elevate for us. So we we create like a little sugar brittle disc that we put on top of the shake that you could just poke through and it, it crackled just like the creme brulee topping. Um, definitely a shake, but just made it more fun to eat with. So little things like that we we've had a lot of success with. Yeah, I, I saw a reference somewhere um, to a Japanese black sesame shake. Is is that where where can I try that? that? Is that a thing? That is something. Yes, that's a thing, and that is something we're still running actually uh, nationally right now. Um, actually, I believe it's still running. That's a good question. We we might have stopped it, but we have more shakes coming up. So I think that might have just been for the month of July. But you might still be able to oh, find it. That's why in uh, okay. DC. But, yeah. but that's another great example of, um, uh, so we have right now, uh, at least 12 locations of uh, Shake Shack in, uh, Japan between Osaka, uh, Kyoto and Tokyo. Um, and we're coming up on our four year anniversary there. And, uh, it was such a blast opening up in Japan and learning a lot about, um, the culture, the food culture. Um, and we, we took a lot of inspiration. We actually, uh, one of our favorite ingredients that we use a lot on the menu out there for our, uh, milkshakes or for our concrete is black sesame. Yeah. And it's our number one selling milkshake in Japan. 
And we actually brought it to our innovation uh, kitchen when we opened up. And uh, it was selling like hotcakes here. So we said, you know what? This, this has earned a place to go national. So again, there are a lot of levels that that kind of hit, but we kept coming back to Black Sesame and how delicious it was. So we did take that national. But it was one of those examples where we find inspiration not only in New York or, or, or America, but we might find it elsewhere, international. We'll bring it back to New York, to our innovation kitchen. We'll play around with it. And maybe we create something that we feel like would be a lot of fun to run here back at home. So it actually works both ways, the uh, creation process. So, and, and, and I, I, I love it. Um, what is the place for the so-called hack? Because there are, you know, a handful of Shake Shack hacks that are by now sort of, you know, so well known that uh, they, they're not on the menu. But I think it's the case that like if you if a, a guest walks in and asks for an ice cream sandwich, your um, your your folks know how to compile that. The grilled cheese sandwich is obviously, you know, uh, a no brainer. You you took the bacon cheese fry hack and just made it. Is that that's a thing now? You can get <laughs> bacon cheese. Yep. So like, what 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 role does are there are there still hacks out there that guests come in and ask for that your um, folks can prepare for them and and sort of you know how how's that working right now in conjunction with all the innovation that you're doing? I'll tell you um, what's what's great about our menu and what we do at Shake Shack is it really is uh, again guest-driven, and it has been for a long, long time. And actually, going back to the early days when there was just one Shake Shack, I don't know if you ever tasted our uh, shroom burger, which is our uh, a vegetarian option, but in the early days when it was created, I mean, there was a lot of love given to that. It's probably the most laborious item to make on our menu. Um, it's it's a long process from start to finish, but we love it. It's one of those things, you know, if we, if we said back then, 15 years ago, that we were going to open not two more locations, three more, but 250 plus, <laughs> we might've looked at that. We might've engineered that, that mushroom burger a little differently. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a mushroom that we roast, we slice it open, we stuff it with a, a blend of cheeses, roll it in panko, crisp fry. It's, it's a lot of work from start to finish. Um, but in the early days, it was, everyone was freaking out over it because it wasn't the same veggie burger that people had seen. It was something different and it actually brought fun the dialogue of what a, a veggie burger could be. You bite into it like hot molten cheese oozes out. I mean, it's a fun item to eat. It's super delicious. Our meat eaters discovered this and they were the ones that came to the shack. And listen, uh, I, I've been hearing about this mushroom veggie thing you're doing. It sounds awesome. I still love meat. Can you maybe take that mushroom and put it on top of a shack burger and just give me that? And we're like, yeah, that's a really cool idea actually. And that became a menu item called the Shack Stack. So that started out as like a fan hack that actually made its way onto the menu. And uh, there's so many different ways of doing it that I'm always amazed Like when a guest will come in and say, okay, you guys have those cheese fries, right? And uh, last time I was here, I had your Chicago dog. It had these spicy peppers. Can you maybe throw those spicy peppers on the cheese fries? Yes. They're like, yeah, we can do that. If, if, if our guests can use their imagination and think of something, and as long as we can actually make it happen, it'll still be a good experience. We'll do it. There's, we have we have uh, uh, black and white shakes, which is a vanilla shake with uh, fudge sauce. We have marshmallow sauce. If you want to throw a marshmallow in the black and white and kind of make your own shake, yeah, that's not on the menu. But if we have the ingredients, we'll totally do it for you. And sometimes, again, our fans like just blow our minds and they come up with these combinations where I'll stop and go, I have to order that on my, my, my next time I go to the shack. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so it really is. It really is. It's the guest. It's like, you can, you can research like our hacks, but if you go in and like, you, it's not a hack that you know of and just say, Hey, I see you guys got bacon. You got the hot dog. Can I get that Chicago dog? Like with bacon on it? Yeah, we can do that for you. Sure. It's, it's really whatever you kind of create in your mind. Yeah. And that, that is the beauty of sort of the breadth of the offering at, at the shack. And the fact that, because you guys um, have taken that sort of roadside burger stand uh, concept and elevated it, you know, the Chicago dog does have a bunch of ingredients on it that make themselves immediately uh, delectable ideas to go on to other uh, items. Those sport peppers 
um, on the uh, uh, Smoke Shack Burger. Don't think for a second that I have not that I that I've you know <laughs> skipped that because I like the hot cherry pepper um, that's already on yep. the Smoke Shack Burger. But you get the the extra the crunch that comes from from the the sport peppers. I'm telling you. Now you have to have a little bit of a, a palate that's okay with spice. But that, I mean that's a that's a delicious burger, Mark Rosati. I'm telling you, it's it's awesome. And, and I kid I kid you not. My entire time, I've never heard of anyone doing that. I, I it just blew my mind. There, there's <laughs> a hack that I never even knew of that because I'm like, well, it's got the peppers, but you, I like what you're saying there. You're adding depth and dimension by putting. Or peppers and they're different heat, they're different texture. Yeah, yeah, they crunch. You get the, the crunch. Word. <laughs> take let's take it to another you level. Up the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, the new hack right there. <laughs> there we go. You're all the culinary comrades out there. Go in there. Feel free. They'll they'll make it for you at Shake Shack. We we don't. I'm not going to sure. be. I'm I'm not going to ask for you to 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 name it after me. But you know, let's just give it all out there. <laughs> For all the all the hungry homies, there's one to try. If you have a little bit of a, if you can handle a little bit of heat and you want a bunch of texture and so forth, don't be afraid to get the sport peppers onto the the Smoke Shack burger. I want to talk um, uh, for just a little bit before I let you go about you because it's it's such an incredible job and an incredible like eating opportunity that you have every single day. And we talked about your origin, your, 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 your background, um, and coming up, you know, through the auspices of Tom Clickio and how you connected with Danny Meyer and, you know, how you've landed where you are right now. But I'm interested in how you eat because it can't be the case that you eat shack food every single day. Um, but it, but you, you definitely have to, as part of your job, you know, be tasting various elements of various innovation and so forth. What is your eating like? You know, you actually, you, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, I don't eat shack every day. Um, well, not, not say the shack burger per se, but, um, I am always tasting the, the various elements like, uh, uh, earlier today we were playing around with, um, a potential burger idea. So I, I didn't really sit down and eat the whole thing. I was tasting the sauce, uh, trying little bites of the cheese, and trying to understand how it could all come together. Um, and then there are those times where there is a little more like, you know, sit down, eat the whole burger, and just see what it feels like from start to finish, because you'd be surprised how much the flavor can uh, change. Um, we, we talk about that all the time. Sometimes with a milkshake, um, one little taste of it to understand like a new flavor is not really enough. You need to sit down and actually drink a milkshake because if the flavor is intense, you yeah. might not be able to actually drink the whole thing. It might be way too much oh. of a, uh, experience where you're like, I, I need like, well, like it, it's, it's too strong. It's almost like drinking a really intense IPA versus like a lager. You can have a yep. couple lagers, like a really intense IPA. You might have one, maybe two. So we, 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 we always trying the different elements to understand it. And then, uh, again, we'll probably sit down and actually eat a whole one just to make sure from start to finish it, it's a good experience. Like there's balance. If you get to that last bite, your palate's not like really fatigued, little things like that. Um, and then outside of work, um, I, I try to eat as much as I can like from other restaurants. It's interesting. I really go out and eat burgers. There's some places that just have amazing burgers that I've either had before that I love or that I've heard is like, oh, you have to try this. Like they're doing some really fun things there. Um, but outside of that, you know, I like to try a lot of different types of food because um, maybe it be, say, uh, you know, a Vietnamese restaurant or a fine dining restaurant. I might not be able to take the exact dish that yeah. I tasted and fell in love with and, and figure out a way of, of uh, making that a shack menu. Item. But there might be an element and maybe it's something like, you know, the assertive lime juice in that Vietnamese dish and how that mm. worked with the beef. Maybe there's a, maybe there's like a little, no, I'm going to write to myself saying, you know, maybe, maybe try like a really intense, like lime mayo on a burger, you know, depending on what the other toppings are. And that, that's how a lot of our ideas come, come to play uh, between myself and the, uh, the culinary team here is, you know, we, we, we like to eat out. We like to talk about food. Um, and it, it is that balance because if it was just shack, 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 I think, you know, we would, we would have tunnel vision of where the menu could go. So like really trying different foods, uh, and just being curious and adventurous. Um, that's where a lot of the ideas come from. And again, we can have something that's very esoteric, 
that just is not a fit for us, but we can always take certain elements and bring them into the wall shake shack and find that note that would like just be harmonious, craveable, comforting to our guests. And, uh, it's a, it's a good balance, I would say. But, uh, uh, that said, I also do have my lane days where I eat healthy and balanced and, you know, you have to. skinless chicken with salad, but it, it, that's, you know, it, it's about the balance. And, um, you know, we, when we, we create our food, you know, we want to come in there and be excited to eat it. So if we're eating like, uh, food like ours all the time, the excitement might not be here one day. So we balance it and we find stuff that's lighter or different flavors. So when we come back to it, again, it's like fresh, fresh palates, fresh eyes. Um, and then it just feels like we're just that much more inspired in the moment when we look at our food again. So, uh, you, you, uh, I know travel, uh, not only the United States, but you travel the world as, as, as part of your job, but I'm interested. I want to focus for a second on the United States. I think it's probably the case that you have, uh, and I'm going to date myself. Um, you, we, we used to call them, we, they, they're, it's called a Rolodex. I don't know if anybody under the age <laughs> of, of the, the 35 knows what a Rolodex is, I've, but I still have one. I've seen those. But you have an incredible stable of restaurants that you've tried as you've toured the country as part of, you know, in, in furtherance of the support for the shack. And just based on what you, you shared in terms of your own experimentation and looking for inspiration, do you have like a master list of restaurants um, that you know you're going to hit when you're in a, a place and, you know, for, for all the cities that you travel around to here in the States? I do. And, um, you know, I, it, it depends. It really depends like on uh, what, what the trip is about. There's some trips while well, go to a, a city or a country where it's a very quick trip. Um, there's a lot to do uh, that there isn't much time. Um, so then I have to kind of say to myself, do I want to go to a place that's true and tried that I love that, you know, I, I don't get to go that often that I know I'm going to just be excited and maybe I, I know someone there. It'll be fun experience. Or do I, do I trudge on and try something uh, new? Um, it's a mixture of both. It's a mixture of both on, on yeah. a trip where I have a little more time. It's a balance because, um, I think what really makes the restaurant business, uh, fun and exciting to me is, is is not so much the food per se. The food is, of course, it has to be excellent uh, and inspiring, but it's the people that are cooking it and, and serving it. And uh, I, I've been fortunate to, to uh, uh, develop friendships in uh, some of the, the cities or countries that we've opened locations. So yeah, it's like I, I might go to a city and say, you know, um, I've had this food before, but you know what? I just love those people. I have to go in and say hi. If I just stop in the bar and get a quick drink and just catch up with them, uh, I'll do that. So uh, it gets to the point uh, where there's there's more time saying hello to people than actually going out and trying something new. And I, I think that's a good a yeah. good uh, place to be because again, I think what makes what makes this business all fun again is just it's just the human element and right. meeting just some really great people that uh, you, you maybe one day call your friends. And so, uh, again, that relationship would not be there if it wasn't inspiration in the first place between each other. That's right. Um... My question now is, how do we get the Rosati list? I mean, I, we, we don't we don't want to necessarily have you picking favorites or you know uh, uh, choosing, but it would be good to know some of your tried tried and trues in various places. I'm not going to um, put you on the spot right now, but just start get the wheels in in motion. I think the hungry homies out there, all of our taste buds. Would love to see what's on the Rosati list in terms of, you know, a handful of tried and trues and a handful of like, you know, big <laughs> cities some places. And then, you know, you can you can add to it with some current favorites, some things you've tried where you've had your mind blown. But just just think about it. I'm just putting it out there. And then okay. offline, okay. I'll offline I'll email you and ask you for the list, obviously. Okay, that'd be a lot of fun. I have <laughs> uh, colleagues and friends always reach out saying, Hey, I'm going to the city, where should I eat? Yes. Um, but yeah, we get there's that. some places, and and I always say like like when when I when I give a recommendation, um, you know, it's 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 not so much about the food, but it's also the experience and the people. So there's there are places I might give that someone's gonna be like, that place. I don't know about that place. Like, isn't that kind of like uh, in the middle of nowhere? And like, you know, that they only they're only open for these few hours, and there's maybe a line. There might be a line sometimes, but 
it's probably for a good reason. There, there are many times I've waited long in lines, and I finally get the food. And I'm bad at this point because I have waited lines, and I fight <laughs> yeah. it until I go, you know what? It was worth it. I'll be honest. The line built up the hype, and yes. the food actually surpassed the hype. So this is amazing. Boom. But yeah, there you go. There, there, there are a couple of places I would love to share. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, la- last thing, <laughs> I'm going to let you go. You've been super generous uh, with, with your time today and earlier in the month. And so part one and part two of, uh, Mark Rosati, the culinary director at Shake Shack here. I can't let you go without asking what's your, I know you have your go-tos like your, your favorite thing, but, but I want to, I'm interested in like a current thing that's on the Shake Shack menu that is just at sort of the top of the Rosati list. What are you in love with right now on, on the menu? Not your tried and true. What are you currently yeah. in love with? I uh, I would say uh, I've really been getting into our custard a lot more these days. Like, you know, mm. certain, certain menu items, like, they come into my life, they get really exciting, they, they fade away, but then they come back. And I think I'm having, like, this kind of custard renaissance right now. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is, uh, and this is for me, I don't know how I even came up with, like, tasting these flavors together, but vanilla custard, salted caramel sauce, marshmallow sauce, and uh, malt powder between Ooh. like the saltiness, the tanginess, the, the sweetness, like all of these different like creamy textures. There's something about that. I, if I'm not careful, I can eat a bucket of that stuff. And again, it's a combination. Normally, I, I don't do it because like if I if I like say like uh, make a concrete or like maybe put a little topping on my custard, I like a little texture. So maybe I put some crunchy on there. Maybe I put like our uh, our uh, chocolate toffee. Yes. This doesn't need those crunchy textures. It's more about the flavors those sauces create. So that's, I don't, again, I don't know how these flavors came together or what I was doing, what this happened. It was probably an accident. But those those four ingredients have been something I've just been obsessed with, and I've been eating a lot of that. For it good sounds like sounds like the dessert item of, of, of summer. It sounds like summer 2019, <laughs> the dessert of summer, the Rosati d- dessert of summer. Yeah. We've, we've just, we, we've just given it, uh, you know, the, the gold star custard. Mark. Custard <laughs> is magic. <laughs> custard is magic. I love the, 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 those flavor profiles too. Incredible. All right, Mark, thank you so much. Incredible. Uh, uh, generosity with your time and thank you for taking us deep on the thinking behind um, how you guys are coming up with various stuff and I'm dying now to get up to, to the West Village uh, kitchen and just walk in there off the street and see what comes up from the from the kitchen down below Oh, I hope, I hope to see you when you do come in Joe and thank you so much for uh, having me on the show again it's always a pleasure Always a pleasure. Mark Rosati, Shake Shack Culinary Director. You're a standing, you have a standing welcome anytime you want to come on. Thanks, my friend. All right, there we go, my taste buds. Another delicious house of carbs in the books. My thanks to Mark Rosati. I really am going to invite myself up there and get into that kitchen. And if we do that, we'll take some beautiful pictures. Maybe we'll even go up on the Instagram live. I'm finally figuring out how to use all of this beautiful modern technology. We will have a show next week. We're back. We have one of our favorite hungry homies, Andrew Knowlton, who has been traveling up and down the Eastern seaboard. He spends time in Maine with his family, but For our purposes, he went across the ocean to Paris, France. I'm sorry, to the French countryside. He ended up in Paris. He toured along with the Tour de France for a little while to get a feel for how those guys, genuinely the hungriest homies on earth during the 21 days of the Tour de France, were getting down. Check that out next week. We will be back with another delightful house of carbs. But until then, let's stay hungry out there. (laughs) 